Welcome to another episode of The Glow Show. My name is Pastor Sarah Stadler. I've served Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Phoenix for the past 11 years. During fall 2021, we are considering the theme Theological ABCs, looking at the vocabulary of our faith. Today, we lift up C for communion. Now, within Christianity, communion has at least two meanings. The first is simply community. Communion is community. And probably the most powerful Christian writer that I know of who writes about community is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in the 1920s and 1930s. He was from Germany, and he was an ethicist, a Christian ethicist, as well as a Lutheran pastor. In the 1930s, he got to be well-known because he was part of the confessing church in Germany that resisted the Nazi rule, and he was involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler. Dietrich Bonhoeffer eventually was um, taken into custody by the Nazis, and he um, was killed uh, because of his involvement in the plot to assassinate Hitler. But he wrote many books. One of the books he wrote was a short book called Life Together. And I highly recommend that you all read this book. It's actually, it's very short and it's an easy read. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful book. So I commend that to you. But he begins this book quoting Psalm 133, verse 1. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes in Life Together about how the physical presence of other Christians is a source of joy. That when we are lonely, we don't take for granted, but many of us who have been part of the church for a long time, we might be taking that for granted, that when we show up on Sundays, our community is there for us. And now in this time of pandemic, maybe we realize this is not something to take for granted, that we, we cannot simply enter church on Sunday morning and expect to see people. This is certainly true across the church here at Grace. It is true as well that the number of people who show up for worship on Sunday mornings is lower than it used to be. And of course, the trend for the last probably 30 years is a lower number of people in worship on Sunday mornings. And so Christian community is not to be taken for granted. He writes about how we're not alone and how that is not a, it is, that is true that we are not alone on, uh, in a physical way, that when we come to worship, when we come to church, that we are together with other people, but also regardless of where we are physically, we are not alone because we are spiritually, mystically united in Christ. I want to read to you directly from the text of Life Together. Bonhoeffer writes, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this, whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily fellowship of years. Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Christ Jesus. What does this mean? It means first that a Christian needs others because of Jesus Christ. It means second that a Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. 
It means, third, that in Jesus Christ we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time, and united for eternity. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. He writes later that we are not to idealize Christian community, however. Christian community is not an ideal, but it is a divine reality. It's divine because it's Christ who unites us, but it is not ideal. And if we've ever been part of a church, we probably know this already, that (laughs) things are not going to be perfect. We know this at Grace, but probably everywhere knows this, right? And if we don't have that dream shattered of an ideal community, if, if that dream is not shattered, Bonhoeffer writes, that is a sad state of affairs. That needs to happen with all speed he writes. And he says, he, lo- he who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. Ah, that is music to a pastor's ears. We cannot expect perfection from one another in the church. We have absolutely good intentions, friends. Of course we do. We have absolutely good intentions, but we make mistakes as humans. And the church is a place where we practice forgiveness. As Christian community, there is sometimes the expectation that it's going to be always loving and and easy and perfect. And a lot of times it is, but it's not always that because we're human. We're Christian and we're human, and so we make mistakes. And so that's, you know, why we we are commanded by Jesus to forgive each other, too. Lastly, Bonhoeffer writes about the life and death of the Christian community. And this might be something that we are thinking about more often lately because of the ways that the church is changing. If we imagine Bonhoeffer writing in the time that he lived, it was a time of turmoil. And the confessing church that he was a part of was really challenged in a way that is probably hard for us to understand. People were not supposed to defy the Nazi rule in Germany, but the confessing church did. So here he writes at the end of his sec- his first section of Life Together about the life and death of Christian community. He says, Life Together under the Word will remain sound and healthy only where it does not form itself into a movement, an order, a society, a collegium pietatis, but rather but rather where it understands itself as being a part of the one holy Catholic Christian church. That's a small c Catholic, by the way, meaning universal. Where it shares actively and passively in the sufferings and struggles and promise of the whole church, capital C church, the whole church. Every principle of selection and every separation connected with it that is not necessitated quite objectively by common work, local conditions, or family connections is of the greatest danger to a Christian community. He's saying basically that we are one church. So Grace Lutheran Church is one congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is a church body. But the whole church, there's one. And the head of that church is Jesus Christ. 
and all the rest of us, whether we are Lutheran or Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian or Orthodox or whatever we are, we're part of the one church. We're part of one body. And we actively and passively share in the sufferings and struggles and promise of the whole church. Mm. So good. And then he writes, The exclusion of the weak and insignificant, the seemingly useless people from a Christian community may actually mean the exclusion of Christ. In the poor brother, Christ is knocking at the door. We must therefore be very careful at this point. Communion, when it is Christian community, means we do not exclude the ones who are excluded elsewhere. The exclusion of the weak and insignificant, the seemingly useless people from a Christian community may actually mean the exclusion of Christ. We are united through and in Christ, and if when Christ knocks at the door we do not answer, we deny entry to Christ. The irony is too deep and too sad to consider. Of course, Bonhoeffer writes reflecting on 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul writes about the body of Christ, how we share in the sufferings of others, how we rejoice with those who rejoice, where all members of the body are important members of the body. This is communion. We commune with one another as one church, one body. The second meaning of communion, or the second way that we use the word communion within the Christian church, is in holy communion. Within the Lutheran church, holy communion is a sacrament. A sacrament is something that Jesus commands us to do, and something that has a tangible element related to it. So, Jesus commands us to celebrate holy communion in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as well as Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians. The tangible elements of Holy Communion are bread and wine. Nowadays, we celebrate communion with wafers. We celebrate communion with gluten-free wafers. We celebrate communion with grape juice or sometimes um, other liquids. Technically, we are to celebrate Holy Communion with the staple food and a celebratory drink. So that might differ depending on the culture, but in Jesus' day, bread was the staple food and wine was the celebratory drink. And that's pretty much how it is here in the U.S., right now at least. Um, so, but it is not inappropriate for there to be something else served at communion, depending on the culture, whatever is the staple food and celebratory drink. When we receive Holy Communion, what do we receive? Now, as Lutherans, we have a fancy term that comes from the Latin that helps us understand or maybe confuses our understanding of what we get when we come to the table of Holy Communion. It is consubstantiation. I mean, con in Latin means with, and Luther writes that Christ is in, with, and under the bread and wine. So when we come to the table of Holy Communion, we receive bread and wine, 
we also receive Christ's body and blood. So the bread and wine don't cease to be bread and wine from a Lutheran understanding. It's clearly bread and wine. If you have a gluten sensitivity, you shouldn't eat the bread, right? You should have the gluten-free option. If you're coming to the table and you, you don't drink wine for whatever reason, when you come to the table of Holy Communion, don't drink the wine. Take the grape juice. Because we believe that it is bread and wine. Um, but it is also Christ's body and blood. Because Christ tells us that it is his body and blood. Luther writes that Christ is in, with, and under the bread and wine. Now, other Christians view Holy Communion differently than we do. Roman Catholics believe that when they come to the table of Holy Communion, they receive Christ's body and blood only. That is called transubstantiation. The bread and wine change from their state as bread and wine into the state of Christ's body and blood, transubstantiation. Many other Christians, many other Protestants, believe that the bread and wine remains bread and wine, and that it is a memorial of Christ's suffering. So we kind of are in the middle. We believe that we, we receive both bread and wine and Christ's body and blood in this sacrament. Luther writes that Holy Communion provides forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation in the small catechism. We meet the saints at the altar of Holy Communion. We meet saints from every time and every place at the altar. This altar, where bread and wine are served as meal, unites us with the saints of every time and place. We eat of one bread, one cup, and Christ transverses time and space to be there with us. We are together when we receive Holy Communion, even if we are not physically present with one another, when we receive Holy Communion, we are together spiritually and mystically as we receive. It is the, the sacrament of Holy Communion is not soured by those who administer it. Thank goodness. <laughs> Indeed. And all are welcome at Christ's table, for Christ is the host at the table. And straight up, who is Christ going to say is not welcome here? So when we receive Holy Communion, when we enter into that liminal space, we are communing with one another who are there and also communing with the whole church, Big C. That's it for this week. Please join me next week for eschatology. Woohoo! Come, let us eat, for now the feast is spread. Come, let us eat, for now the feast is spread. Our Lord's body let us take together. Our Lord's body let us take together. Come, let us drink, for now the wine is poured. Come, let us drink, for now the wine is poured. Jesus' blood poured, let us drink together. Jesus' blood poured, let us drink together.